Welcome back. Thanks for tuning in to season two of the More Jody podcast. I'm the girl who says what everyone is thinking, unapologetically myself all the time. Trust me, I was born this way and it really can't be stopped. This season, I'm sharing powerful conversations and we go deep right off the hop. Sometimes I'm even thrown off by it. Nothing is off the table. The goal of this podcast is that you will laugh, cry, and realize that you're not alone in your struggles, your challenges, your hopes, your dreams. But I have a warning for you. These conversations will make you want to do more, dig deeper, get honest and curious with yourself, and live braver, bolder lives. Thanks for coming along for the ride. You guys, Jana Hawkinjoss is back on the podcast and I'm super excited about it. Today we are talking about how life never works out how you plan. Jana is an author, book editor, environmentalist, yogi, and truly she is just a living, breathing educator in every sense of the word. She embraces all that life brings her way, stays curious about what is in her path and works through it. And then, as we articulated, she teaches others to do it. She is a brilliant mind, and I love talking to this woman. So today we are going to talk about kind of um, what led Jana to become a book editor. And this is part one of our series, Finding Your Story, and So You Want to Write a Book. So many people that I know have, you know, toyed with the idea of writing a book. And so I hope that this excites you even just about ways you share your story every day in life. It's like how people never think they're a salesperson. And then I'm like, you're always selling something, whether you're like getting your toddler to listen to you or getting, um, or doing a sales presentation. Like you are always selling same thing. You are always telling your story. What does that look like? How do you do it? And how do you dig deep along the way to find the parts that you can pass on to make the world a more beautiful place? So I, I'm excited. These are vulnerable episodes. These next two for me, I don't think I share too much about my virginity on this episode, but I definitely do on the next one. So thanks for tuning in. Um, Please like and subscribe. Share this episode with a friend and love you guys. Thanks for being here. Good morning, Jenna. How's it going? Good morning, morning, New Jersey. How is my friend? Good. Very pregnant. (laughs) Can you stand up so I can see your tummy again? Yeah. I have like a giant sweater on, so it's going to be like, hold it tight. Okay. I'll hold my sweater tight. Oh, look at you. Oh, so cute. Like put the baby in zoom. Oh, that is so cute. How many weeks are you? 25? 30. 30. Yeah. More. Yeah. I have everything loose on today. (laughs) Like, like, where's my (laughs) moo-moo? Yeah. I don't know if it's annoying. I have this conversation with my friend often. Um, there's just like never anything right to say to a woman when she's pregnant in terms of looks. Yeah. Because I'm the person that people are like, no, are you sure you're that pregnant? I don't, I, I, third time. And I'm just like, listen, person at a shop, I am positive. I know what is happening in right. my body. <laughs> Right. There's never anything good to say, but I, I want you to know. So my listeners know, because sometimes when I've had people on before, I don't even intro them. Like the the episode I put up this week, I accidentally didn't even record an intro. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, like she needs no introduction. So anyways, because we talked so long last time, which we are not allowed to do again, because it's very stressful to edit, but I have, I have brought 
coffee, a banana, a cup of water. I put some socks on because I was like, we just have a habit of talking forever. So I needed to make sure that like, I wouldn't get low blood sugar and I would stay hydrated during this duration of chatter between the two of us. But I'm so excited to have you here. You are my, um, my imperfect green guide guru for one. So anyone who hasn't heard that episode, I think that played, I don't know, like four weeks ago or something, um, because you're super passionate about the environment. But when I talk to you about the environment, that's when I realized, oh my goodness, there's like this whole other thing. Um, and I was so excited to, to talk to you about being a book editor and an author. And I know so many people, myself included, who are always like, I really want to write a book. And, and it's funny because even I have 20 pages of a book on paper on my Google Docs. And then it's one of those things where all of a sudden I was like, oh, do you like actually write a proposal and then write a book? Or do you just write a book and then do you give it to somebody? Or like, what if they steal your book? Or like all these things in my head. So then I had like my mother-in-law, I said something, my own mom, I'm like, said something about writing a book. I think just the act of writing is like therapy, right? For one. So I did write down some questions for you today because we could just be best friends and hang out. And we talk. need roles and we need boundaries when we, we have roles. We do. Um, to edit them that might not be you because you're going to run out of steam the way we talk. Exactly. So yes. I'm, so yeah, so basically I'm going to, I'll go through my questions with you, but we just want to know kind of more about Jana, the author, Jana, the book editor, um, you know, this is a thing you do that you're obviously very good at and passionate about. And so I want, I'm hoping that people can kind of from this episode, see how to get, how they would get started on their journey. Like, so I do want to break it down so that people, you know, at the end can have like a couple technical steps um, that they can do. But before we do that, you have written move, think, feel. Move, feel, think, but we all mix it up. (laughs) I wrote it down last night. It was late. Um, And then he never liked cake. Yes. And so I think you'll tell us a little bit more about that, but can you tell us about, you know, you're this environmentalist as a little girl throwing out your mom's makeup because it was tested on animals. And then you became this, obviously you became an author and a book editor. So can you just tell us a little bit about your journey to, to becoming that? Ooh, she has not been prepped with the questions, everybody. No. (laughs) Well, I'm like, make it short. It's honestly a question that I haven't been asked in terms of how the two fit together because I'm, I'm a little bit, well, I'm a lot of it rediscovering my outward passion for the planet. Like if you know me, like my family is arriving today, they know me, my best friends know me. Part of knowing me is that I care about the planet and people and particularly big cats, butterfly migration and, um, (laughs) Big you know, cats? I love big cats. Like oh, cougars? Yeah, I just think big cats should be in the oh. wild doing their big cat thing. I had such a, like, I really wanted to, I was really into Lemoore or the Amore leopards um, that are I, in Southeast Asia. They might be in different places now on the endangered species list as a kid. Um, I just told my husband yesterday we were watching a show about homesteading this week. Yeah, don't get me started on that right now. And people were just living in this land and like being angry that the, the, the mountain lions were there. I think that was the oh. episode. And I'm like, no, 
let the mountain lions be there. We have taken over so much natural territory yeah. in the world. So anyway. Wait, pause. I got to add to that class. Yes. So um, we have tons and I'm tons sure. of cougars. And it's really cool here because you would love it. We're very, um, I'm not politically like democratic, we would call, I would call myself up here like a conservative. And usually the conservatives are like the ones with the guns and all that stuff. But I, so I'm like this weird, I'm just a multifaceted person who isn't against guns. And I do, I do eat animals, mm -hmm. but I also adore them and want them left in their own. Like, I'm like, we moved into your neighborhood, not vice versa. And so our whole neighborhood, I feel like here, people from like where I grew up are like, I don't get it. They just like roam around. I'm like, yes. And you will see them on your cameras, like a giant cougar walking through someone's front yard and, or then walking through some, through um, someone's yard with a cat in its mouth, like a neighborhood kitty cat. And we're like, oh my gosh, but it's the circle of life. And so it's cool here because we don't remove them. We like, obviously if they like ate a person, they would be taken out. But for the most yeah. part, they do their thing here and nobody complains about it. And if people are dramatic, other people are like, we're on in their territory. So it's kind of like, I don't think that it's just an interesting thing. And I think you would love it. So you could come here and you would love that. We I know. I, I've um, told my husband multiple times, like, I don't know when, but at some point we're going. Yeah. You I, just I, love I, it. You love it. But, um, and we're definitely in a place in society where we're not only just with each other but with animals with trees with everything we're we're figuring out living in harmony yes. it's a big hot mess yeah so that has been reinvigorated in me by my care and attention and and um sharing of any knowledge that I have for how we can perhaps live in more harmony for the planet which is why I'm like I don't know how to answer that question because for so long my passion was to help families like my own who, um, live with someone who has a traumatic brain injury or something that's challenged. Um, just put someone in, in a, in a caregiving role in an unexpected fashion, a flipped family dynamic, which is what my first book is about. And it's the story of my dad's traumatic brain injury, which happened when I was 14. And, um, my experience of it and my family's experience of it and the way in which it, it shaped my life because it is a memoir. So it's very much about his injury, but very much about how a parent with a traumatic brain injury affects the life of the child. Right. And so that was my trajectory that I didn't know I was on when I was a kid throwing out my mom's makeup. Right. But when that happened in our life, anything I thought I was going to do changed any way I thought I was going to be a teenager, any big cares and concerns they had, right. they all shifted to supporting my mom, learning how to love my dad, which turned into learning how to love myself, which is all part of the theme of, right. of the book. Um, it was just such a, a personal paradigm shift that I didn't see coming that nobody sees coming. You, you don't see injuries to the brain coming often. Um, so that kind of feels like it threw me off, <laughs> but now and in retrospect, 
that was simply and very, not really simply, but also very in a complex fashion, my dharma. And that, you know, yogic term because- I'm Okay, so what do you mean by that? Break that down for people who don't know yoga. I'm gonna do it real quick. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, the quick and dirty explanation of dharma. So anyone listening out there that already knows what it is, don't judge this. I'm trying to do it in a short amount of time in a relative <laughs> fashion. Um, it's your life path. Okay. And not necessarily your life path that you're like, I want to grow up and be a movie star. Right. You might not get to do the thing you want to do, but there's a life path set before you. And when you start to discover what that is and embrace it for what it is, then that's where the, the joy and the fulfillment and the purpose and the meaning and the inspiration and all of these, this wonderful magic of life starts to unfold when you start to walk that path. And what I realized in my yoga teacher training was that my dad's injury and my experiences with my family and in my life, that was my path. That was my Dharma. There was no escaping that. Um, there was nothing I could have done, nothing my parents could have done differently. This was just faded, you might say. Yep. And oh. so as were the things that I, I didn't become that I thought I was going to become, um, which was like an environmental scientist, like all, you know, all these yeah. things. But as I have started to, well, really, I mean, I don't want to say create my own family, but you get married, you have children, you, you, you start you are to, making people. You're literally making, I am. I'm literally, <laughs> literally, I think making someone's, well, she's making her own lungs. I'm not sure. A lot of work. Yeah. They're going on right now, yeah. but you're able to, to, to create your, you know, what, what holds meaning in your family and what matters and all of that. And it's coming back around, thankfully, having met my husband that oh, we both care about the planet. Yeah. And it was like, oh, this is like, I've never felt so much more my nine-year-old self. Oh, I love that. And it's kind of unreal and it's kind of freeing. And it had to go through the experience of brain injury. It had to go through the experience of getting far away from what I thought I cared about. If I can interrupt for a second. I think what we got to in the, the end of your episode before was that going through that experience has removed judgment of mm -hmm. yourself and others. It changed your perspective and it gave you more grace for everyone. And, and no one has to do it perfectly. It's not perfect or fail. Right. No. And that's, what's so cool. So just to bring that in. Yeah. It's, and it's a, it's a path. Yeah. And we, we can't know the path, but we can, we can create intention for ourselves and go with the pull. Yes. Yeah. And have forgiveness along the way and Absolutely. understand that it's all, it's all part of our story. So we're writing our story every day in a sense. Some of us just happen to write it down and turn it into a book. Right. But we have that ability to, to start to understand that path we're on and start to embrace it and, and start to, in a sense, um, make decisions that in some ways, who knows if it was what you were supposed to do, or if you're now really in alignment. So what you're supposed to do is starting to align. So you're starting to blaze your own trail of a path. Again, yoga concepts gets out there and it gets crazy. But something that I've always connected to was books. 
I come from a family who are, they're voracious readers. Um, uh, words have always been interesting and important. And I'm going to give this credit to my mom, even though my dad's considered like the talker. Um, my mom's the storyteller. She like okay. makes the story out of pretty much anything and somehow makes an adventure out of anything too. And I, I truly think I got that from her and I'm sure she might argue that, but it's always kind of with me. And so when the time was right and I had the space I needed from the pain that right. was going through the experience, I was able to tell the story. I was also greatly um, helped and taught how to do so by going to um, journalism school at NYU and taking a class uh, specifically for novel writing. And that was very, uh, it was enlightening. It was wow. enlightening in the most terrifically terrifying way because my professor was amazing. Professor Norman, shout out to you. Um, and he's listening for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and Pro professor Gordon, she was amazing too. So just in case, mm -hmm. <laughs> but both of these professors taught me the, just the brilliance of crafting words and not only the brilliance of, of crafting words, I'm not saying I'm brilliant. I'm saying people are at crafting words and that's what I aspire to, but also the, the discernment of, mm -hmm. of language and communication that comes through those words which is where, yes, it truly made me a better writer. Um, my first draft was a hot mess of, a, of emotions in a chapter I was so, so proud of. I'd, I'd read it from a mountaintop only to have my professor be like, <laughs> nobody wants to read that shit. Like it's so hard, hey? That was my feedback. It's just like, mm -mm, nope, nope, nope. But it, and it had slashes and red marks. Then it was, it was before things were delivered back to you electronically. Um, and at the very end, he said, come see me if you want to do this. And I, well, and think of the people that quit right then. Oh, right. Writing, like yeah. writing is full of rejection and quitting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It is. It is so hard emotionally. It is, it is taxing on your brain. Um, it's taxing on the people around you, but oh my goodness, if it's what you want to do and you do it, it's so rewarding. Totally. And like, that's like anything in life, anything hard is rewarding. But I think a lot of people right there would be like, oh my gosh, like I'm so, but that's the ability to pivot, the ability to take feedback. It doesn't take your word. Yeah. Having a really good mom because you call her crying on a sidewalk saying, right. well, there it goes. There's my, I can't do anything. I'm never going to write this book. And she just kept saying, go back and see him. He said, go see him. He said, go talk to him. Aww. Why don't you do that? And it took me a couple of weeks and I did it. I swallowed a lot of pride. Like, you know, that when you're like sitting, having a conversation and it's so emotional and you just want to cry and you feel like you're just swallowing like a golf ball or tennis right. ball. It's just like, oh, and I did it. And then I put it in a drawer, a literal drawer in my nightstand and went about life, worked in magazines, worked in marketing for about three years. And then it, it kept waking me up in the middle of the night and I started writing in a whole new way. And I read over what I had written and I was like, good God, <laughs> no one saw that. I'm sorry, Professor Norman. That was just so much of me being like, and this happened and I felt this way and this happened and I felt right. this way. Almost like a journal. Because my book was 
created from journals. The roughest, roughest draft are my journal entries. Right. Well, and something I wanted to say was, um, I always believe that your mess is your message or biblically. I think about, um, how God will use what has gone on in your life for good. Yes. Like he will use it for good. Um, and so that's where I always think about, um, how you basically are just an educator. Like you, you go through the, and I just love this. This is like my favorite thing is like, you go through the experience and there's like embarrassment. Like I can just imagine, you know, because now you're not like the typical family and all that stuff and dad struggling and and you have to be vulnerable because your life is like just a vulnerable hot mess, like you said. Right. And so when I think about that, I think the best stuff comes out of when we're forced to live in vulnerability and to embrace those insecurities. And this branding expert that I actually had on the podcast um, this week, she, her name's Aisha Santos. She talks about how pick the thing you're most insecure about and make it part of your message. Don't look at that thing and hide it. Use it to bond with others. Use it as a connecting point. And I'm just going to say something right now that I have never said on this podcast, but I didn't have sex till I was married. And I was like, super, I was, but there's a funny, weird thing. Because in a lot of settings, people think you're a total loser. And then in other settings, they're like inspired by you. And then in other settings, they're proud of you. But what I realized was is something that was so sacred to me, a commitment I made as like a young girl that like literally there were a lot of chances that miracle could have been gone. That was really hot back then, you guys. Um, but anyways, it was one of those things that it's, it's something I don't talk about. And yet it's something that was really hard to commit to and, and keep my commitment on. I didn't get married till 26. And so one of my things is like, I want to talk to the over-sexualized teenager about how you don't have to share your body with everybody. And so it's been a funny thing of like, the book is going to have lots of funny stuff in it about being a teenager and like relatable content. But then also I want to say that to people. And there was part of me that would like, well, a lot of people who slept around a lot would find that offensive. And then I'm like, this is my story, not theirs. And it's not for everybody. That is just, it's so refreshing to hear because I find that I can never decide when, and I think you asked me this question for the first podcast is what's my word or something for life. I don't right. know. I don't, yes. I would have asked you that. I always, I oscillate between truth and curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I think curiosity drives me and truth grounds me. And that's your truth. Oh, like yeah. what you're saying is so your truth. Mm-hmm. And there, there isn't a way to reshape that to make someone else more comfortable. But right. what you can do is you share it in the way that you can, and it becomes relative to someone else. Right. And that's what I found to be so true in writing my first book is that there were absolutely passages that make people uncomfortable. And I absolutely got feedback, even from the brain injury community, you know, I don't want to read this. I don't want to know this happens. Mm -hmm. I I want this to be okay. And I wasn't here to say, this is going to just resolve itself and you'll be fine. Um, I was here to say, this is, this is what living with brain injury is like. This is real life. Like, it's like this podcast. Like I always tell someone if I, if I don't know them and I'm going to interview them, like, don't say like, oh, and then I went through something and then, you know, I got, I was stronger because of it. No, like this is in books and on podcasts, people want the juice Yeah, and they might not like it. It might make them cringe, but 
guess what? The human experience is very cringeworthy and it's real, but sugarcoating it and making it fake, that's not real. And it's not what people want to read about either, but there's this lie in people's minds that, that a certain image is what people actually want. But when you actually like read a book or listen to a podcast, it's the stuff that like breaks your heart. And that's the human condition. I was an English major too, but like the human condition, the human experience, like those things. That's why I read Holocaust books. Cause I'm like, how did these people keep surviving? How did they persevere? I'm fascinated by it. But guess what? If it wasn't real, if it was an image given to me, that was like, I don't want to read that. It's like the alchemist, right? Yes. Which is so confusing, but so good. And I should probably read again, but yeah, like it's exactly like that. But I think the lie that people often believe is that they need to keep up a certain image and you can't do that in writing. No one wants to read that. No. And, and there's two things that people don't want to read. And it's not to say that you can't write these things. Right. That's, that's the, the, the part of being an editor. Um, and if everyone, anyone ever would have said, oh, you're going to be a book editor. I would have been like, what? I don't like, okay. Full disclosure. I'm a developmental editor. I'm a substantive editor. I do line editing, but I don't do copy editing. So I don't do grammar. I can, but it's, it's not where my talent lands. Um, I don't want to fake it with your book. So, you know, when you get to the level of where does the comma go? Am I using a semicolon? Um, you know, should this be capitalized and, and, and looking for any typos? I'm I'm not your woman. You're the visionary. Right. And I want to help you tell the story and craft the language and, and find the themes and invoke emotion in your reader Mm -hmm. and all, and all of those things. You know, I can remember putting my website together for editing. (laughs) I had copy editor friends who would, or, or just random, really kind people that are like, Hey, do you realize you have this typo? And I'm like, "Mm, well, (laughs) looking real good. But it, 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 again, that that's my place of truth, right? That's not what I'm here to help you with, but there's, there's so much going on with, with writing. That is this process that moves you from internal to external, right? With intrinsic motivation that gets you going, that gets you up, that gets you writing and finding the discipline and the flow and all of that. And that shifts to this extrinsic motivation of, of how do you make this connection with your reader? How do you reach a wider audience? Right. Um, and so that's what it becomes. And, and in that sort of continuum, which seems to be a word I'm using a lot lately, I'm really into continuum. You write what you feel. You write what you need to get out of you. You write what's been taking up space in your brain, your heart, your body, your cells, whatever it is. You write that out. And that was like the first draft of the first, the first draft of the first chapter of my book that I turned into my professor. And it was just complete catharsis. It was just, Jana needs to get this out of her system. Right. Now we're going to work with that. And from that catharsis, we're going to start to really hone in on what is what, what is relative? What is the story here? What is the action happening? And allow space for the reader to have their own interpretation and feel their own feelings. And there's that, then you can kind of run to the other end of the spectrum from catharsis and be like, okay, whatever the reader wants, let's make them happy. Let's make them safe. Let's make them all of that, which is what we were just talking about, which is kind of an untruth. So it's almost like a soap opera. 
Right. And it's that fine line of enough of me and enough for you. And that's what makes these great books and great books can be memoirs. Great books can be prescriptive self-help journeys. Great books can be um, compilations of poetry. It's, it's really understanding that no one will write the book you're going to write, but there will be topics that are similar to you. There will be themes that are similar to you, but the combination of you, your theme and your subject, your topic, it's not out there yet until you put it out there. That that's what I want to help people do in editing is see that. And then I send them off to like, this is a great copy editor for you. And right. this person is amazing and they'll work on your book proposal and they'll get your marketing in order um, because it, it takes a village to write a book. It takes a team so to write a book. Fascinating. And so often that is hidden in the romanticized, I always use Hemingway as an example, but I like Hemingway, um, who also was an entirely different person than the author that you might imagine him to be. Um, he was hiding behind his words too. Mm. And they're great words. And he's a great writer to study. But Camus, who we just spoke of with The Alchemist, or, you know, even like Glennon Doyle, everybody's a human behind these amazing books that they create. So it's a potential that we all have if we want it. Right. And I think that's, that's the vulnerability, like releasing, I can only imagine the like vulnerability flu you would feel after releasing a book like Untamed. Right. Cause it's so, it's so raw. Um, I wrote this down last night because I wrote questions for you. Like yep. I wrote questions. We're going to do that. We're going to keep to your questions. <laughs> but what I was going to say is like, I wrote a question down and then I wrote beside it. I hate this. Cause I wrote my first question was, where does a person start? And then my second question was, how do you know if your story is worth telling? And then I was like, every story is worth telling. That's like literally the theme of this podcast, your story. It's, I think I love so much that you are literally an educator. You're a person that goes through something and then you teach other people how to get through it. And then, so it's like, you went through the experience with your dad. It was awful. It was so hard. It was all the things. And then you learn to write about it. And then you teach people how to write about it. And then the next thing that'll happen to you, you will go through it you will process it. And then you will somehow teach people to do it again. So it's like the imperfect green guide. You, you know, you started recognizing this passion that you're awakening it from nine years old. It's always been there. It got pushed to the side because dealing with your family mattered more, but now it's coming back again. It's coming back again. And so then it comes back. And now what is Jana going to do? Jana's going to go teach people how to be imperfectly green. And now she's going to write a book, the imperfect green guide. And then from there, something else will come up, but this is who you are. And it's how you share your gift with the world. You just made a lot of psychic predictions I've had over the years make sense because I sit down and everyone's like, you're a teacher. And I'm like, "Uh, I'm a yoga teacher. And that isn't even, that's like the first, you know, the first 10 years I was like, no, I don't want to be a teacher. I'm not a teacher. Well, and this is, this is why I love life. I like my favorite type of book is a memoir and Mm -hmm. One of the ones I read that was really devastating, but really powerful is called Lucky. Um, have you have you listened to that one or read that one? Yeah. She is raped on a college campus and it like impacts these life altering moments impact things like your dad's accident, all these things, right? Um, and so, but how that, that memoir, the 
the things I learned about victims and what they go through and victim shaming and all these things that I didn't even have an understanding of, I'm like, I would like to passionately fight against in society. Right. And so that's where I feel like a memoir gives me um, purpose and fire going forward to like help and love others, but we don't know their experience unless we read the book. And so for you, it's like impact. When you became a book editor, you can impact more people sharing more stories and your impact from your situation with your dad. It was like, I want to help other people help their brain injury victims that they love to death. Right. So it's like, you're just spreading, you're an impact spreader or an educator or a teacher. Right. But it's so cool. Cause my favorite thing is to like drone over people's lives and be like, do you see this feeding in? And you are so oh. talented at that. Like listening to some of your episodes and talking how you talk to people and how you sort of like you turn the light bulbs on for them. Well, that's my favorite thing to do is literally to show you something that you've seen every day that you never saw before. Yeah. Or the thing you're like, resisting, you're just like, no, yes. no, no, not like even my husband and I were talking the other day and I was like, I just, I want all these people to, because we, we went and we visited Vermont, which is just fantastic in the U S if you want to feel like not been there living and eating and breathing and schooling your children in perfectly green. And we were just like in it and we're like, uh oh, should we have lived here? Like, we just bought a house. Like, you know, like, woo, now what? Right. And my first like thought after now what, now what is, okay, we can, we can show people how to live like this. We can do this ourselves. This is what we do. We have a, we have a greenhouse going. We got our solar panels last week. Like mm. we're, we're doing, we're, I'm, I'm walking my talk. Um, and you're spreading impact in New Jersey. Right that you might've gotten from That's Vermont. Yes. Um, and, and he was honest with me because we are, you know, any horoscope reading or numerology or whatever, they'll say that the two of us are fundamentally different, but very, very well matched. And I, the more we get to know ourselves year after year, experience after experience, I get that because he was like, but that's, that's not who I am. That's who you are. You want to lead, you want to show, you want to do this. He's like, I just want to, I'm going to like live in it and be with people are doing it. And I was like, huh, you, sir, are correct. Yeah. The purpose behind telling you what I see in your life is because I feel like it propels you more. Like all of a sudden, right? Like you're like, oh, I need to do this. This is why I'm here. Right. And if we can, if we can just like, just get a glimpse Mm -hmm. of that awareness within ourselves and the people we love most around us, then that's that Dharma. That's that alignment. Mm -hmm. That's not us pushing each other into certain directions. It's allowing the experience to unfold. And it's just like being a really great writer. You're not pushing your reader into any sort of like direction or making them do anything. It's, it's, to me, it's very similar to, um, teaching a yoga class, which is about holding space for people to have their own experience. And I'm a guy and I can say certain things, but you're your own teacher. And just like, you can be a writer. You can hold that space with your words for someone to have an emotion about something or learn a lesson about something. Something I wanted to touch on briefly, because I know for you, it's, it's yoga and a lot of different things. Um, but for me, it's always like the Bible and God and, you know, some people call it the universe or whatever, but 
I think about how often people can settle into a victim space of martyrdom or victim, you know, a victim mentality and how crippling that can be. And you could have spent your life being like, why me? Or spent it angry. And, and, and so I, I, I want to, I want people to hear from this, the power in not staying in that place forever. You're going to stay in it for a little bit, but, um, in the Bible, it says, this is like one of my favorite, like life verses it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And it just gives me goosebumps, but it makes me think about how like God knows the plan for your life. But if you, if you sit in that with unforgiveness and bitterness and why me and how you can't propel forward. Right. So it's like you said, like your Dharma, like you accepted this and, and you're going to use it for good. You're not going to let it be your prison or, you know, like, because people who live with the spirit of unforgiveness and anger, it rots them, you know? And so I just have to say something about that so that people really hear that. Cause that's such a big deal. If people are stuck right now, they need to get unstuck. Right. And I was there. I was so angry. I was so angry. I played rugby and I'm not (laughs) a rugby player, but I like ferociously played rugby in college. I went from being a volleyball player in high school to being a beer drinking. And you're little. You're little. Yes. (laughs) And I was good at it. I was getting concussions. Like my mom came to a game where I got a concussion. I couldn't chew a steak afterwards. None of this sounds like who I am right now, but I had so much anger and I had so much why. And I, I, it was so hard and I couldn't have written a book from that space. I couldn't have shared a damn thing from that space. I was, I was surviving and trying to have a lot of fun while doing it. You need to release that anger. Yeah. And I, even in the times of my life, I didn't like myself, I made sure I was having fun, which seems like such a strange thing. Um, but when I would, you know, when you sit with yourself, that's when you see, are you the victim or are you the victor in this situation? Mm-hmm. And the victor writes the book. Oh, I love that. That's who sits down and says, oh, I'm okay with where I am. And you don't have to love it. And accepting it is one of, one of the first things. And, but really there's such a, an imposter syndrome that happens when you think, when you start to think, I want to write a book and you do it and you're doing your thing. Great. And and you've got your words and you've got your computer and you've got your, your candle and your coffee and your, whatever your wine. I drank a lot of wine writing that first book. Mm -hmm. Uh, I drank a lot of coffee writing the second book. Um, but then something creeps in is like, <laughs> you're going to write a book. All right. Sure. Right. And that's what I want to be for people. And I believe what good editors want to be is that person that's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's not let your ego go hog wild here on your brain. You can do this. If this is something you want to do, there is a systematic structure to how we get you there. There is an emotional component to what you kind of conquer to get there. There's all these pieces that get you there. So you know, I know we're doing this podcast for people who are, are thinking about like, how the heck do I write a book? Like there's the nuts and bolts to it. There's just like, this is how you do it. But then Let's there's also, yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and there's also just 
the, it is a process of getting to know yourself. I don't know an author that I have worked with that didn't rediscover things about themselves. It's just part of the process. And sometimes when you're peeling back the layers of that onion, you're like, uh, uh-uh, actually, no, thank you. I'm good. Right. Because it's so real and it's so true and it's so vulnerable. But I, and I will say this time and time again, if it's what you feel in your heart, moving through the process, peeling back all those layers, it will be so rewarding. Yeah. Even the, all the mental work that has to come from, from just the process. Because you can think a bit about it this way. If it's something you've been thinking about for a long time or something you've been telling random people at bars, like whatever it is on airplanes, you know how we're like, yeah, you get into the deep conversations that like are kind of benign because you're not like telling your like mom or husband. Well, yeah, or you're safe with them because they don't know you. Yeah, they don't know you. you can tell them. I used to do that in New York when I knew I didn't want to work in magazines anymore. I would be like, oh yeah, I'm a writer. I'm a yoga teacher and I'm writing a book. I had like some journals organized and I was in a yoga teacher training <laughs> and, and it was just, it felt so much better to answer that very New Yorker question. You know, you've, you've taken one sip of your drink when you're out or you've, you know, yeah. whatever it is. And someone's like, oh, so what do you do? Which is actually a question I love and never really felt invasive. Um, and it used to be, oh, I work at Harper's Bazaar. I do blah, 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 blah. And that was like in my head, but other people were like shoes. And I was like, yes, they're awesome there. And then I just started to shift my own narrative and say, oh, I write it. You know, I'm writing a book and I, I, I'm teaching yoga. And even though people's reactions weren't like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. In my head, I was like, yes, I am. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's also about how you speak to yourself during the process. And I had a very famous writer um, of self-help books and, and oh, all kinds of things nowadays who I knew in my New York years. And, and she's, she's very much a reason um, as to how I got to be where I am, either writing the first book that I wrote um, and having the courage to do so, and also becoming the editor that I am, because the first time she just said to me, just like, look in the mirror and say, I'm an author and do it every single day. So you believe right. I was like, Whoa, I feel like I'm lying to myself. Well, you know, you can sit there and dissect that, or you can say, I want to be an author. So I can at least tell myself that well, that's what started to work. And that's what yeah. started to dissolve the imposter syndrome around it. Because I looked around and I was like, well, look at all these other people who write words down on paper that somehow get published and other people read them. This isn't so crazy after all. It's the power of your words. I manage um, five insurance offices. And so when I I hated managers always. And then I had this, um, the first one who, the first person who said to me, like, I'd like to promote you to be in this job. I was like, I don't do that. And then he's like, why? I'm like, oh, managers are always like annoying and they're, like everything about it. I just didn't like, they can't, they'll tell you to do it, but they don't even know how to do it. Like so many things I couldn't stand. And then my executive coach was like, why don't you rewrite what a leader is to you? But in like, in my own, you know, I am this, Mm -hmm. I am whatever. And as soon as I started writing it down, I stepped into it. Right. And so that is the power words have limitless power. That's why people rely on affirmations a lot. Yeah. On Bible verses a lot. 
Who is that person that you were talking about? Can you tell us? Gabby Bernstein. Really? Oh my gosh. You know her? Way, way back in the day. Oh, that's so cool. Friends with connections. You knew people she knew. So yeah. And she was, she was also the first person who sent me a super random email one day saying, Hey, my friend needs an editor. I think you'd be great. And I was like, what? (laughs) Not an editor. I've never done this before. And And I just, I just stepped up to it. I was like, okay, if we can all have this very um, open, honest communication about how I'm brand spanking new with this, then let's give it a go. And we did. And um, and that person was Lori Harder, and she also has a very successful book and a successful career. So I'm, I am eternally grateful to those two for taking a chance. Oh, that uh, is, that is so cool. You, you gotta take a chance on yourself to do it. Yeah. Well, that was so much fun. Thanks so much for being here. Please click subscribe, rate and review this podcast, share it with everyone you know, and I will be back here next week with more stories, more courage, more vulnerability, and just a little more Jody to brighten your day.